You are listening to the Women of the Military podcast, where we share the stories of female service members and how the military touched their lives. I'm your host, military veteran, military spouse, and mom, Amanda Huffman. My goal is to find the heart of the story and uncover issues women face while serving in the military. If you want to be encouraged by the stories of military women and be inspired to change the world, keep tuned for this latest episode of Women of the Military. Are you about to face a deployment? Do you have questions about the deployment experience and don't know where to start? I know exactly how you feel, and that's why I created a free guide to help you prepare for your deployment. Check out the free guide at www.airmentomom.com slash free resources. Today's guest is Elaine Bree. When you join the United States military, you don't just sign up for a duty, you also commit your loved ones to lives of service all their own. No one knows this better than Elaine. As an Army brat turned military wife and mother of four officers, one in each the Army, Navy, Air Force, and Marine Corps. For more than a decade, she's endured countless teary goodbyes, empty chairs at Thanksgiving dinners, and sleepless hours waiting for the phone calls in the night. She's navigated the complicated tangle of emotions, pride, worry, fear, hope, and deep, enduring love that are all part and parcel of life as a military mother. Welcome, Elaine. I'm really excited to hear the side that I haven't heard before of a military mother. Well, thanks, Amanda. I'm happy to be here. Let's just start with what was your journey? It sounds like military was part of your life if you were an Army brat, but what was your journey of military life like growing up and becoming a military spouse? It's it's kind of unique. My mother met my father when she was in the Army. She was the first lieutenant, and I like to say that I was the reason she got an honorable discharge because back in those days, you couldn't be pregnant and stay on active service. So I am an Army brat through and through. My father was served in World War II, the Korean War, and the Vietnam War, and so I grew up in that time period, moved every year, and It was pretty traumatic. You know, being a military brat in the late 60s and early 70s was not a thing that was cool. And so there was a lot of anti-military rhetoric and I experienced that. And so I went through a phase in my life where I didn't want anything to do with the military. And and I was, there's no way. But I ended up going to college and got a degree in medical technology and went to work in a hospital lab. And I just kept feeling drawn to the military that there has to be, that there needed to be something that I could do to serve. And so I applied to get a direct commission because I already had a degree. And it was still in the days of the post-Vietnam War drawdown, and there were no slots available. And ROTC had just opened up to women the couple of years before. And so I decided, well... I think I'm going to try and do ROTC and get my master's. So I ended up enrolling at Arizona State University, and it was actually the first year that they were doing co-ed field training. So that was kind of a cutting edge thing. And it was also the first year that women were starting in pilot training. And so I was doing my two years of ROTC to get my commission and I went in for my commissioning physical and that's when everything, my my path to service changed. <laughs> so I ended up having a an autoimmune condition that I did not realize and it was um, something that barred me from commissioning. And so all of a sudden, 
I had had my, I already had orders. I was going to Effie Warren Air Force Base in Wyoming, which ironically my daughter ended up being stationed at, but everything changed. And so I had to, I had to regroup, but my commanding officer at the time told me, he said, don't ever think this two years of training has been wasted. You will use this over and over again in your future life. Now I had no idea that I would be using it as intensively as I have. But I'm really grateful that I had that background and that experience. And and it's given me a lot of perspective. Yeah, that's great advice from uh, your commanding officer. I have talked to a few people who have been interested in joining the military. And one of the girls I talked to has had medical issues that she wasn't able to get cleared. And it's been really kind of traumatic for her because she feels like, she's not able to serve the way she wanted to. And I'm like, the fact that you wanted to serve is a big deal and you should be proud of that. And medical is just, that's the way life goes. Right. And there's all kinds of ways you can support the military. You don't have, you you can still do your part. And that's, that's been really important to me through the years is, you know, we need, we need a strong home front and we need, our communities and people in our communities to understand what it's like to really get behind our military. Because as I said, I was, I grew up in a generation where a lot of people were not, the military was blamed for the Vietnamese war and, and, and they were doing their duty and we need them to do their duty. That's what keeps us safe. So. How did you end up meeting your husband? Well, that's kind of a funny story. So that first summer when I was in field training was the first year that women were starting in flight school. And my husband at the time was an instructor pilot. And I had actually, I, I had heard, I had friends who kept trying to set us up for a blind date, but I didn't, I had no interest in any commitments because I had these big plans of what I was going to do. So I headed off to McConnell Air Force Base for my field training and they trucked us down to Vance Air Force Base to take us up in the T-37 and everybody was kind of freaking out because it was the first time they had done this with women cadets. And so, you know, we do our ejection seat training and everything and I get in the aircraft and on takeoff, smoke filled the cockpit. So we had to abort abort the takeoff. So they were panicking even more so because it was a woman and, you know, climbed out of the aircraft and they hurried to find another person who could fly with me. And as we were doing our flight, it turns out that he and my husband had been stationed together in Virginia. And he said, well, I know this guy, he's a, a glider pilot and he'd probably take you soaring. And I thought, hmm, well, I guess I'll give him a call because I really would like to see what it'd be like to fly in a sailplane. And so the rest was history. Two years later, a month after um, I would have been commissioned, we were married. So oh, wow. life took a broken turn. Yep. And how long was he in the military when you guys were married? He actually was transitioning on the way out. He had been in nine, nine and a half years okay. and made made the decision. He grew up on a farm and he made the decision when he finally decided to settle down that he wanted to raise his kids the way he had been raised on a farm. And so he wasn't in the military very long once, once we were married. And, um, so that was a big transition because I, 
I came from the military lifestyle of always moving. And within three years, we were on a farm in Ohio. <laughs> so that was, that was a, a whole new learning curve for me. And so you guys weren't really that connected to the military as you were raising your family because you were in Ohio on a farm? Yeah, not at all. In fact, you know, my father had a great influence on our kids, but we were in a rural farm community. We moved there when um, Eric was just barely three. And in fact, he is the first one from his high school to have graduated from the Naval Academy. It was oh. not a military community at all, which is even more surprising when, you know, it turns out that all four of them made the choice to serve because it was not something that was done in our community. So what was that experience like of having your son want to go to the Naval Academy and then all the other ones following suit. Well, it was it was kind of a he knew he was four when Top Gun came out, and he was just totally enamored with that movie. And you know, in the days of VHS, we could self edit, so we had a version of it that had all the little shaky scenes that you didn't want a little kid to watch edited out. And he would sit there with it. His dad had a throttle that had been given to him, you know for an award and he would sit there with that throttle and a plastic football helmet and he would, you know, fly his Top Gun airplane. And, but we, you know, we knew for sure he was, he was going to go Air Force. I mean, after all, his dad had been in the Air Force and, and I had been in Air Force ROTC, but I had a brother-in-law who was Navy and he was a recruiter for a while and he kept filling his room with all kinds of Navy posters or whatever. And we joke, you know, that he brought him over to the dark side. But he basically was very focused that he knew he wanted to fly. And um, he went in the summer when he was in high school, he went to track camp at the Air Force Academy. And, and he ended up getting accepted to both summer seminars that the academies have and came home from, from both of them. And after Navy, he said, um, Mom, I have something I need to tell you. And, you know, embracing myself when, when somebody starts with that tagline. And he said, I think I would rather go to the Naval Academy. And I have to say, I cried because I was like, I don't know anything about the Navy. I know, I know the Army and I know the Air Force. They have all these different ranks. And, you know, I was just, it, it was, it blew, it, it really blew me away. But um, his choice was that, um, if he couldn't fly, that he would have more opportunities going through the Naval Academy than if he couldn't fly and went to the Air Force. And so he ended up getting accepted and going, and um, he was a plebe during 9-11, and that kind of changed the trajectory of everything in our family at multiple levels. But he ended up um, selecting Marines, and he's now an F-18 pilot, Top Gun, just like he dreamed when he was four. He really set his mind to the goal and he worked toward it. And we are super proud of him. And then, as I said, 9-11 hit. And at that time, our next son um, was two years behind him and really was looking in another direction. But because of the impact of 9-11 and, and what was going on in the world, he ended up choosing to, uh, he was accepted to the Naval Academy as well. 
and he ended up going to the Naval Academy. And um, I was just stunned because that that wasn't at all what I would have thought he would have ended up doing. And so now he it, he ended up staying in the Navy, and he's a Naval Flight Officer in the Navy, uh, Lieutenant Commander now. I, I keep saying... I'm not old enough to have kids that, you know, have these ranks, but it's time keeps marching on. So then everybody started having this expectation that, of course, that is what the bride kids would do. But our kids are all very different. They had different goals and different aspirations. But our daughter, she she knew that she wanted to serve in some capacity. And she had had a really wonderful experience of getting to hike in Nepal and seeing what life is like in a third world country and how the opportunities, especially for women in the United States are, are just, you know, we are blessed compared to the rest of the women in the world. So she ended up, she got accepted at the Air Force Academy and the Naval Academy, but she ended up choosing Navy. So all of a sudden this Air Force family had three Naval Academy midshipmen but then her path took a little bit of a different path as well. She did an exchange at the Air Force Academy. By that time, she knew because of an eye muscle surgery, she was going to not be able to be cleared to fly in the Navy. And so she pursued a cross commission to the Air Force. So by the time she graduated, we had one in the Marines, one in the Navy, and now one in the Air Force. And the youngest one who said he wanted absolutely nothing to do with the military and he was going to play football in college. And there was a part of my mother's heart that went, oh, good, at least somebody will be in the United States. But he shocked us as well because we came home one night and he was filling out an Army ROTC application for a helicopter scholarship because he said, I decided that if I want to fly, the only way I know for sure I can do it is this is one of the only programs in the United States where I can pretty much be guaranteed a pilot slot. So he ended up going to the University of North Dakota and getting his commission and his ratings. And now he flies Chinook helicopters. <laughs> so it, it all came about very, it was not planned like, oh, let's go for the Guinness Book of World Records or anything. It was just them following what they wanted to do. So you have four kids serving in the military in a post 9-11 era. And I talked to your, your daughter last week, so I know that she deployed. What has it been like to be a mom on the on the mom side of going through a deployment? Well, we're, I'm on my 14th. I say I am because whenever they go, I feel like half my heart goes with them. Uh, my Marine is deployed quite a bit. He's deployed now. The thing is, when you're a mom, you are wired to protect your kids. And everything you do is about keeping them alive and training them and keeping them safe. And then all of a sudden, they stand on either a set of footprints somewhere or stand on a line and raise their hand and take an oath to protect and defend the Constitution. And now they can be sent into harm's way and there's nothing I can do about it. There's no way I can protect them. And it is very jarring. It is very jarring because I, no matter how competent they are, no matter how old they are, they are still my babies. Now, my husband, 
has been has been in he's a Vietnam vet. He flew for an Afghan airline for four years. But in my mind, he's my husband. He's an adult. He's, you know, trained. But it's a disconnect with your mama's heart to to wrap your head around that. And that's something I really that's something I really have to work on. And the advice I give to other moms is you have to not look at the baby albums. You have to suspend those memories and look at them as a trained, competent warrior in order to cope with it. That's my coping mechanism. But it is hard. And one of the things that makes it even harder is you go from this time when you knew just about everything about their life that there was to the point where you have to let go and let go. You had the opportunity to go to Kabul, Afghanistan. So what was that experience like and how did you end up there? Well, the backstory to that is after 9-11, my husband was flying for an airline and that airline um, declared bankruptcy. And so he lost his um, pension. And so one of the things that also happened was he had to retire at age 60. Within a year, they raised the age to 65 internationally, but he couldn't go back to his old airline. So he ended up being hired by an Afghan airline. They hired 10 Western pilots to come in and set up this airline so it would meet international standards. So he was... Um, flying in all over Afghanistan. And in the summer of 2009, I decided I really wanted to see what his environment was like. And so I went uh, for a month that summer. And I just had a very profound experience when I saw all the children. I just, for want of a better way to say it, I just felt called to be there because I firmly believe as an educator that education changes the world. And so the kids were all off in military service or in college. And I ended up finding a job as a science teacher in the only English speaking school in Kabul. It was set up to help Afghan students be able to transition and go to Western universities. And so a year later, in the summer of 2010, I found myself in Kabul. And as my youngest son um, posted on Facebook, Four military kids, all in the USA, mom and dad in Afghanistan, just a normal American family, which we really weren't. But it was a very unique experience. It was one of the best experiences I've ever had, and it's one of the most horrible. You know, there was violence. I saw bombings. Uh, We had students impacted by it. Uh, We lost a staff member. Uh, One of the best things was if If security allowed, I could make the five-mile trip to Camp Eggers and go to chapel. And that was very comforting to me, but also to be surrounded by all these different military people helped me. And and I learned a lot about deployment. I learned that deployment, uh, a lot of times when you're in that circumstance, it's very boring. There's, you, you're working, you're either working or, you, you know, you're, you're, you're lonely. There's a, just a, um, it, it can be very dreary and wearying. And then the other thing is, is the concept of, um, it's hard when you're the one that knows you're okay to realize that other people are worrying about you if you are okay. And I always remind that of my kids, you know, I know you know you're okay, but you know, 
send your mother a word because there were attacks and there were things that happened where, you know, for, for a change, my family was stressed out about us instead of us stressing out about them. But it was really, it was, it was a profound experience. I treasure a lot of the Afghan friends that I made and families. And most people, most moms and dads in the world are the same. They want the best thing for their children. So it was a it was a great experience and my heart breaks for Afghanistan because we just can't it the tragedy continues though. So. Yeah. So you wrote a book about your experience of being a mom of military children called Be Safe Love Mom. Can you talk a little bit about why you wrote that book and who it's for? Sure. So for years, I had been working online with Naval Academy parents, you know, and first in a listserv and ultimately a Facebook group, you know, educating, supporting parents. And it became evident to me that there were a whole lot of people who really didn't understand the military. And then there's the emotional experience of, you know, seeing your children grow up to become warriors and all that entails and and how do we handle it and I, people kept saying you need to write a book you need to write a book and after some encouragement from other sources I ended up putting this book together I actually included voices from other moms so it's not just my viewpoint but but I like to think it People have told me it's like the service manual for military moms because it's not just the nuts and bolts of what all this stuff means. It's the emotional journey and then how to cope with it. And so my primary audience is military moms and dads, but my secondary audience is for the community, for people. I would love for everybody to read it and understand what it's like to love somebody in the military. You know, there's big things that happen and small things, but one of the things that will really tick off a lot of military moms is if somebody says, oh, I know how hard it is. It was really hard when I sent Johnny to college. Well, they're not just going to college. They're going to war. Or is everybody coming home for the holidays? Well, the chances of that are about, you know, 2% because the military doesn't shut down Christmas break. So, and in the bigger picture, I go back to the way things were in World War II, where everybody pulled together. You know, it was a daily thing to support the military by rationing your gas or whatever. And I like to think that we can bridge this civilian military divide to the point where people, people can really get involved to support those who are serving and those who love somebody who serves. And, and certainly it's a thousand times better than when I was um, growing up as far as military support. But, you know, my, my son left in 2001. And for the last 13 years, I've had kids alternating into harm's way. And it's a long time. This is a long effort. And our military families are under a lot of stress. And so as a mom who wants to take care of people, that's part of what I would like to see happen is more people realizing that, you know, maybe that maybe that wife down the street needs somebody to shovel her, her sidewalks for her because her husband's deployed again, or that dad who's trying to cope with raising little ones while mom's gone needs some support. So it's kind of a two-pronged audience. I like how you talked about the emotional aspect. I feel like the military is really good at stripping the emotions out of everything, and that may be why it's so hard for civilians to understand what we're going through, because 
when the military kind of teaches you to just keep pressing forward and not deal with your emotions. And I feel like the community outside of the military space doesn't hear any of the stories. And so they don't know the emotions behind. They just see what's on the news. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Or it's very um, like black and white. Like they'll respond, they'll respond to a loss you know, that hits the papers. But, you know, there's all these tiny cuts that that come from, you know, my, when my mom was dying, my one son couldn't leave. You know, he couldn't come to say goodbye because of, you know, his responsibilities. And those are the, the little cuts that, that they are hard. They are hard to bear. And, and, you know, my, I, I mean, I grew up with Embrace the Suck, but, but part of being healthy about it is that you have to have some point in time where you can talk about it and acknowledge it. And so, you know, I'll say, okay, let's just get, let's get these feelings out about how hard this is. This is hard. Okay, now what are we going to do about it? We're going to keep going because what choice do we have? I don't need my kids to worry about me. I need to support them. And so that's a big message that I try to encourage moms that there's a lot of this that's hard and it's okay to say that it's hard, but we have our own mission to accomplish too. Yeah, I think that's true because I feel like that's one of the things that since I was in the military and now I'm a military spouse and I realize how much harder it is to be a military spouse than I expected, I'm really open to talking about how much harder it is than people realize and how many like I liked how you talked about like little cuts because my husband hasn't deployed for what his job is he doesn't they don't deploy very often um but he does travel a lot so he's gone at least once a month and it's everyone's like oh but he keeps coming back and I'm like but it's still hard to be in a new place and have him gone all the time and all the other things that go with military life and that's why when 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 somebody's getting ready to deploy you know their son or daughter's getting ready to deploy I tell them you have to have a plan so it's okay it's okay to have those feelings and it is hard but for me I plan my way through it in terms of I have I have a toolkit these are the things that I do to cope and and last week when we had the midair and in the area where my son is flying, you know, that's the, that's when you pull out the emergency plan of, okay, you know, who are my people that I can depend on that I'm going to reach out to and what am I going to do to keep myself from, you know, losing my mind. That's all kind of part of it because, and nobody really up until I put this together, Nobody really kind of spelled that out as far as, you know, here are the things that have been really hard and there are, and there are all kinds of hard things. You know, I think about parents that I know that 50% of caretakers are parents of wounded warriors or, you know, when you're worried that your child has PTSD or another one. Um, and this is a question I get 
often when there is a mishap, when there is a tragedy, um, parents will contact me. I don't know how to help my son or daughter with their grief, you know? So these are all things that there's there's not really been a guidebook for. And and that is something I'm proud in, in the Be Safe Love, Love Mom book and in the community that, you know, I have a Facebook page or whatever. There's a place for people to process and figure out how to cope and not just stay stuck with how hard it is. You know, like you did your series on deployment. We can find ways to cope, but first we have to acknowledge that, you know, some of this stuff is hard. Yeah, that sounds like a great resource for any military parent. And I started reading the book and I really enjoyed just hearing your story and just hearing a different perspective. Okay, my last question is, what advice would you give parents whose children are considering joining the military? Well, I have this personal guideline for myself as a parent, as a teacher. I never told any of my kids or I've never told any of my students, you should join the military. Because I think it's a calling and I think what it requires is so much that it really has to come from them. So I would never try to talk anybody into it. On the same hand, I would never try to talk somebody out of it. If they feel called to do it, then my advice is to honor their calling. And it's the same with them them deciding if they want to stay in for a career or whatever. They're the ones that step up. They're the ones that you know, potentially could be in harm's way. And so it has to come from them. If your child does feel called, then I suggest the first thing you do is connect with other military parents because the best thing you can have in this process, oh yeah, and read my book, but the best thing you can have in this process is a battle buddy, is somebody who understands and somebody who gets it. So when there are those times, you know, that first month of basic training or whatever training that could be really hard when you don't hear from them and it's good to have other people to connect with so you are supported but the bottom line is I could not be more proud of what my children have done and continue to do and um, I just the pride carries me over some of the negativity that happens and you know I I just think they're awesome. And so I would just stand behind your kids and let them become their best. And a lot of times the military is a way to have that happen. I think that's good advice. Thank you so much for your time and just to share your experience. And I'll make sure to link to your Facebook page and to your book in the show notes so that people can find it. And just thank you for everything that you've done to support our country through supporting your kids and helping out the military community. Thank you. Thanks for all you're doing to focus on the contributions that women have made. I'm really proud that my mom served and my daughter served. So thanks. Thanks for what you do as well. Thank you for listening to this episode of Women of the Military. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any of the amazing stories I have with women who have served in our military. Did you love the show? Don't forget to leave a review. Finally, if you are a woman who has served or is currently serving in the military, please email me at airmantomom at gmail.com so I can set you up to be on a future episode of Women of the Military.